Hi, family. Thank you so much for joining us tonight for our midweek service. We're going to wrap up our study in the book of First and Second Peter tonight. And these last two verses are so powerful, and I think you're really going to enjoy studying them with me. But before we do tonight, I'd like for us to take time to pray and also to just remember those who need our prayers and our intercession this evening. So if you would, just join with me right now, and let's begin our time of study with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you that you are as near to us as our breath, Lord. You're nearer to us than anything we could imagine. And we're going to reflect on that for just a few moments tonight, Lord, in our desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Father, we continue to intercede for those tonight who need, O oh Lord, a healing touch in their body. I'm so thankful to know that you are not only willing, but you're able. God, I keep thinking about what that man said. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me whole. You can make me clean. And so tonight, Lord, I'm praying tonight that you would heal those who need a healing touch in their body. There are some babies that need a healing touch, Lord. There are children that need your touch. Father, there are parents and there are grandparents who are in need of a touch of God tonight in their life. And I, I pray for those that are grieving, Lord. For the last few weeks, there's been so many that have come alongside during their time of grief and anguish. And Lord, I pray that you would comfort them and strengthen them. I pray for our nation tonight. Lord, I'm asking you to heal the division that is in our nation, Lord. Bring America back together. I pray for your church, that, Lord, that the cultural transitions and the cultural upheavals that we are facing will not prevent us from being bold in our faith, bold expressors of love, passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I pray once again, shake the world we're living in, with signs and wonders as we're careful to preach your word. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Hey, let me encourage you tonight before I get into the scriptures this evening to get your Bible and take some notes. You might want to go online and download our app if you haven't yet, but all the notes are on our, our app at Woodland Church Mobile. If um, you haven't downloaded the app yet from the App Store or the Google Play Store, uh, or the Apple App Store, and just follow along. They're also on the church website. That's woodland.church as well. And while I'm speaking about that, please be sure and be faithful with your tithes and offerings. I promise you, if you'll put God first, God will take care of you during this time. Well, stability is the subject tonight as we talk about the final two verses. Before we moved to Michigan 21 years ago, I asked the Lord because I knew that a time was coming. We were returning back to the pastor. That's where mine and Becky's heart was at. We miss pastoring. We miss being with the local congregation and seeing them grow. I remember one young man called me and because I traveled so much and preached in so many different places, and he said to me, you're living every preacher's dream. And before I transitioned up here, there were several pastors that said that to me. He said, why are you going back to pastoring? Well, there's something about giving your life to a community. There's something about settling down and doing life with a community of faith. Charles Heath, who is now with the Lord in heaven, I remember once when I was preaching for him, he said to me, he said, Dennis, the greatest gift that you can ever give to a community is to give your life to that community, to settle down and to pastor in that community. 
And that's what my wife and I have tried to do for 21 years, and only eternity will reveal whether we've been successful or not in doing that. But Anselm of Canterbury said one time, he said, you know, a tree can never flourish, a tree can never thrive if it's constantly being uprooted and planted in a different place. I watched my wife this year with her gardening. She has transplanted bushes and transplanted trees. She came home last night, believe it or not, from visiting with a friend, and she came home with several different kinds of bushes and plants, and um, she's ready to put the shovel into the earth and dig a hole and put all of the stuff in there that she does to give those plants a good start. But the ones that she planted earlier in the spring, they're thriving, they're doing well, she's taking good care of them. And I want to say that to you tonight. That's a good image to keep in mind. Anselm was right. A tree will never thrive if it's constantly being replanted. I can see my father as he replanted fruit trees and moved them from time to time. But he thought carefully before he put those trees out where he wanted them at and where he wanted them to grow. And he fertilized them. He watered them. He pruned them carefully. He was so good at all of that. And tonight, that's the metaphor I'd like you to keep in mind. So let's look at the Bible this evening. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 17 and 18, just two verses. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of the wicked people and lose your own secure footing. That phrase, secure footing, actually in Greek means stability, that you'll not lose your own secure footing. And I love that word picture there because we all know what it means to get a, a secure footing. If you're hiking or if you're mountain climbing or especially here from Michigan in the winter, if you're having to cross an icy patch or walk across a, a sidewalk or a driveway, you want secure footing. Rather, the Scripture goes on to say, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then he just, it's, it's very emphatic in the Greek language. All glory to him, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen and amen. So our great need, according to these last two verses, as we wrap up and we conclude First and Second Peter, is our great need is stability. Our great need is for a, a stable life and a consistent life. America is going through a great cultural transition right now. The church is going through some transitions, not woodland necessarily, but the church at large. With all that's happening in our world from the Black Lives Matter movement that followed, that, that just really increased in intensity following the, the killing of George Floyd, there has been almost without thought an embracing of an agenda of an organization without really examining what that organization was all about. about. Of course, black lives matter. Of course, racism in any shape, form, or, or, or fashion is a sin. We will always speak out against that. But sometimes in the rush to try and do the right thing, we don't think things completely through. And there have been agendas that have risen in churches that have compromised the gospel. Of course, you want to, to live a life as free as possible of prejudice. You want to ask the Lord to crush that if that sinfulness is in your life. But at the same time, we never want to mistake some of the things that have been, been taken up and the church has been challenged with, the church at large has been challenged with. We cannot call right what the Bible calls sin. We don't do anyone a favor 
by calling sin righteousness. And we don't do anyone a favor by calling righteousness sin. It's very important that you get that. If I have cancer, I want a doctor to be honest with me and tell me cancer is, has attacked your body, and I want to aggressively work at eradicating that cancer from my body. I would ask you to pray for me if that was happening. And the same thing holds true with sin because sin is more dangerous to you as a person. It's more dangerous to our civilization as a culture. It's more dangerous to our nation. Sin will abase and degrade a nation. So let's not be fooled in the current political turmoil that's going on. Let's stand up for righteousness where righteousness needs to be stood up for. I would link arms with my black brothers and sisters. If we were being prejudiced, prejudiced against our Muslim friends, I would link arms with them as well. There is no place for hatred of anything but sin in the body of Christ. But God has never called us to hate people. God has called us to hate sin. And God has called us to love righteousness and holiness. That's why Peter wrote in verse 17, he says, you already know these things. And I feel almost silly for reminding us of this. But there's been so much in the press and so much in the news. Yesterday in a major French newspaper, the number one newspaper in France, Evangelicals, I count myself among the evangelicals. This denomination that we're a part of, the Assemblies of God, is a part of the National Association of Evangelicals. We've had members of our church, uh, of, the, of the Assemblies of God, that have been past presidents of the Nas National Association of Evangelicals. But yesterday in a major newspaper, evangelicals, there was a major hit job done upon evangelicals. And I know that most of us don't read French newspapers, but here's the point. The leading paper of influence in, in the nation of France was saying that evangelicals were medieval Christians of the worst kind. Now think about that. And that's an important metaphor to keep in mind because the Christians I know of that are evangelical, that I personally know, yes, they believe the Bible is the Word of God. Yes, they believe that Jesus is the, is the virgin-born Son of Mary, the incarnate Son of God. Yes, we believe that Jesus died for our sins and rose again, and that He will return one day to judge the quick and the dead. And we believe that for people to be saved, they must have faith in Jesus Christ. But that no way should bring up a connotation of backwards people who are primitive. Evangelical Christians are on the cutting line today in health care, in social work, in education, in politics. And so let's not be deceived by what's taking place in the world. A major presidential candidate in the last campaign in 2016 said, Evangelical Christians must be forced to change their minds about such things as, as marriages between a man and a woman or that, that abortion is the taking of a human life. We have to be careful not to get caught up in things and not to lose our secure footing in Christ. Now, these may not be the issues that Peter was addressing here, but they are issues that are facing you and I as Christians today. And so Peter says, don't be carried away by the errors of these wicked people. And again, when he's calling people wicked, 
he's not saying that with hate. He's actually speaking against some false teachers in the body of Christ. And that's an important uh, distinguishing characteristic to make. He's not speaking of lost people at large, but he's talking about these people who try to corrupt the pure Word of God and lead the people of God astray. So he says, don't lose your secure footing by being carried away by these wicked people. In other words, be wise and be smart. Now, the reason that he's writing this is because, he's, remember, we talked about this last, uh, the last time I preached on this and the time before, we talked about the fact that folks were beginning to go, when is Jesus coming back? Well, we all ask that same question today. When is our Lord and Savior coming back? And that's what he's referring to here. And so he tells us, he said, you've got to be, be prepared to wait. You might want to write that down. You've got to be prepared to wait. We discussed this earlier in this series that a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. Let me read it to you. Peter wrote to the church in chapter 3 of verse 8 of 2 Peter. He says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends, that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. He's quoting Psalms 90 and verse 4. In other words, they were expecting Jesus to come back within their lifetimes. And now I've heard the story of Jesus is coming back ever since I was a munchkin, just since I was a baby. I mean, it was like, it was almost like the milk of my mother. It was the milk of the church to, to look forward to the coming of Jesus. And I will be honest with you, I had a conversation uh, just a few moments ago over the telephone with someone, and they were asking me about the return of the Lord. And I said, I live every day of my life hoping that this would be the day that Jesus returns. I look forward to the return of Christ, but I plan like I'm going to live to be a very old man. And I tell my children, you need to plan for a long life but you need to live ready that Jesus is going to come again. You see, the, belt, the more we know our Bibles, then the better that we'll understand this. Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 are two very important passages of Scripture for understanding the return of the Lord. In Matthew 24, Jesus gives us several signs that we need to be aware of and we need to watch for. But then in Matthew 25, Jesus tells a story about a bridegroom who delayed his return. He tells the story that those attendants that were waiting are commonly known as the ten virgins, five wise and five foolish. He says those virgins began to become, or those wedding attendants, because the bridegroom was delayed, they became drowsy and fell asleep. So he tells us, he says, number one, and that's, you can find that in Matthew chapter 25, he tells us we must be on guard in Matthew 24 and verse 17. Be on guard. It's the same thing Peter just says. Be aware. And to live guarded doesn't mean to live uh, afraid. To, to be on uh, guard doesn't mean that you, that you live thinking that somebody is always out to get you. Doesn't mean that you're looking for trouble. It doesn't mean that you become paranoid. It just simply means you live aware of the times that we're living in today. He also tells us to be prepared for false teachers. It's why here at Woodland we ask you every single day to read your Bible. It's why I encourage, and I'm so thankful there are a lot of you that you read your Bible with me on a daily basis. We go through the Bible once a year. And I love it. I love getting up in the morning. I'm fond of saying no food in my tummy until first I have the Word of God in my heart. 
And uh, I love that first cup of coffee and the scriptures early in the morning. But in Matthew 24, Jesus says, many false prophets will appear and they will deceive many people. And friends, our world is filled with teachers who corrupt the Word of God, who try to force the Word of God to say what they want it to say. And to be honest, the newspaper article that I referred to in the French newspaper Le Mans today, to be honest with you, there are some real problems that were brought up in some third world countries amongst evangelicals where they were where there were some false teachers teaching the Word of God. We've had that problem right here in the United States where, well, for instance, I believe that God wants to prosper us, but I don't buy into the health and wealth prosperity of people who say, you know, if you just, if you give $1,000, you're going to get $100,000 back. That's a bunch of baloney, to be honest with you. But if you are faithful to God with your finances, God will bless you. I've seen that work in people's lives over and over, and if I never so at work, it still wouldn't change the truth that God does bless and prosper His people as they keep Him first in their finances. But there are so many other things that false teachers are appearing today. There are preachers who are saying that, you know, that God blesses the joining together of two men to be husbands, uh, you know, however they say that, Nowhere in the Bible can you support that. That's a false teacher, maybe wearing a robe, maybe wearing a cross, and maybe holding a Bible to solemnize that marriage. Friends, I just promise you that is not what the Bible teaches. There are people teaching today that Jesus was not born of the Virgin Mary, that Jesus was just a regular man, and they hold a Bible, and they have maybe uh, multiple theological degrees, and they're deceiving many people. The Bible is clear enough. I know there's some difficult things. We talked about that in the last message. There are some difficult things to understand. But the message of the Bible is clear enough that even your nine-year-old child can read the Bible and understand the truth of God's Word. Let me illustrate. When our oldest son was just a tiny little guy, I, I say tiny, he was probably eight or nine, and he was reading his Bible, and it was his goal to read the Bible through, and I was going to give him so much money as a motivation for reading his Bible. And he came in with his Bible open to the Song of Solomon. And he came rushing into the kitchen, and he looked at his mom, and he says, did you know this was in here? And we laughed so hard. Friends, the message of the Bible is clear. There may be some difficult things to understand, but you can understand the message of the Bible. And if you know your Bible, you won't be deceived by these false teachers. Jesus tells us also in Matthew 24 that we need to be prepared for national and civic disasters. Today, I had a, I had a surgeon talk to me, uh, a friend of mine. He's not a follower of Jesus and yet he, he said to me, he said, Pastor Clanton, what's going on in our world? He says, it's like the world has gone crazy. He says, I, I'm afraid that we're never going to be able to bring America back together again. I'm afraid we're never going to be able to heal these divides that are taking place in America. And he went through a list of things that were troubling him. And you know, I, I, I just shared with my friend, I said, you know, there's something going on in the heart of America right now. We need to be aware of that. God, God wants to give us shepherds after His own heart. But if we're not careful and we persist in our sin, then God will give a nation 
leaders after their hearts. And I can't imagine the worst thing in the world happening than for me to have a shepherd after my heart. I want a shepherd after God's heart. I want to be a shepherd after God's heart so I can be a good pastor to you. The Bible tells me that I need to be careful to guard my heart with all diligence. What does that mean? It means I want to keep my heart guarded. It means I want to watch out for my motivations. It means I want to be sure my character. I want, I want to be sure as, as we wrap this up tonight that I'm growing in grace in Christ. To follow my own heart is folly because there are times that my heart wants me to do things that are wrong. There are times that your heart wants you to do things that are wrong. There are temptations that come to us, and the Bible tells us that the temptations that all of us experience, they're common to our human experience. And so it's important that we understand we have to be prepared for the natural as well as the civic disasters. It doesn't take a degree from a university to know that in the last 150 years, natural disasters have been increasing, whether it's been earthquakes, whether it's been tsunamis and tidal waves, whether it's been hurricanes and tornadoes. A number of years ago, it's been maybe close to 18 years ago, I gave a list when I was preaching a message about the return of Christ and some of the signs that Jesus said. And way back then, I put up a graph of how many earthquakes had taken place and that earthquakes were on the increase. We know there's climate change taking place in our world. Whether that's man-made or not, that's up for debate. There are scientists that say it is, and there are scientists that say it's not. It's, it's just another cycle. I don't want to get into the politics. I just simply want to say there is climate change that is taking place in our world today. You know, I've traveled enough to see the effects of the climate change that has taken place in our world. And so that's not a political statement. It's just simply to say there are natural disasters, but there are civic disasters. When we see policemen just a few months ago when we were showing our gratitude for them, we were thanking them, when we were thanking our soldiers for their service, and now all of a sudden there's this rebellion in the street, cheap shots physically with guns as well as politically have been taken at our police officers because people are afraid of the social media tweets. Christians are being fired from their jobs when they make a social media tweet about something that's true, and yet somebody decides that's not popular. Friends, we need to understand, Jesus said, nation will go to war against nation. This is Matthew 24, verse 7. And kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all of this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. We need to be prepared for the persecution of Christians and global genocides. You know, we've seen the increase. There are more Christians being martyred for their faith today than ever before. But may I add something else to this as well? There are genocides that are taking place among ethnic groups today not just of Christians, but because one people group decides another people group is not worth living. It's not just where in Syria they have tried to bomb out their enemies and use poison gas and sarin gas on them, but in Africa we find that. We find it around the world. We find it in parts of Asia. And brothers and sisters, it's important that we know what these signs are. And Christians are not only facing persecution because of violence and murder, but many Christians are facing persecutions on their job if they speak up about their faith. And as I mentioned earlier, if somehow or another they even voice their opinion on social media. 
Matthew 24, verse 21. There will be greater anguish at any time since the world began, and it will be so great. In fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will, be, will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Now, let me just give you an illustration of this. I want you to imagine, I want you just to imagine for just a moment that you were the only Christian left in your community, or maybe you were one of only two or three Christians left in your community. Now, just think about that. If all of a sudden it became so unpopular in your community to be a Christian that everybody deserted you, no one would be your friend, you would be the object of ridicule and persecution. Well, that actually happened to a man. His name was Paul. Listen to this in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. As you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me. Now, those are painful words. Don't miss that. Has deserted me. I've never been at that place in my life. I don't know what it's like to be completely and totally deserted. Everyone has deserted me. Let that get deep into your soul tonight, or you don't get what Peter is warning us about. You don't understand then what some of your brothers and sisters and the rest of the world are facing. He goes on, even Phygelus and Hermogenes, even Phygelus. In other words, these were two Christian brothers and sisters that gave in to the social pressures that were around them. They gave in to the cultural pressures, pressures around them. Phygelus and Hermogenes, their names are remembered today because they deserted a brother in Christ in his time of need. Oh, may the Lord show special kindness to Onesiphorus and his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. And when he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. Friends, that's the kind of Christian I want to be. That's the kind of pastor that I want to be, to be someone that visits and encourages and is never ashamed of my brothers and sisters in Christ. So we may not know when Jesus is coming, but we need to be aware of what the signs are and to be prepared for them. So be prepared tonight. As Peter is writing, he's, he's writing this so that his parishioners will be careful to share the good news, share the good news of Jesus Christ. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to be repent. In other words, the reason Christ's return is being delayed is because God wants lost people to be saved. Lost people matter. So as you hear me speak some very strong words tonight about false teachers and false preachers, as you hear me speak some very strong words about the cultural upheaval that's taking place, we're not going to solve the problem by getting angry at lost people. But we need to be aware of what the signs are and pray for wisdom, pray for grace, pray for truth, pray for mercy, pray for opportunities to share, like I had today when a, a surgeon friend of mine wanted to talk to me, and, and later on tonight, I'm sending him some scripture that I promised that I would send him, and I just trust that the Word of God is going to go to work in his heart. I trust the Word of the Lord like that. Just be prepared. But a couple of other things here, I would say, as you're living, watch, pray, and travel light. Watch, pray, and travel light. I love to hike. 
you know, I'm not a hunter. I'm not really a, a, a great fisherman or anything like that, but I love being outdoors. And I've hiked significant portions of the Appalachian Trail. I've hiked portions of trails in, in the Andes Mountains and the Alps and in, in the Rocky Mountains. I just love doing that. I love being able to just put a few things on my back and just take off and travel light. I love the stories of how the Native Americans could pass through our forest and their small little trails that they knew all about. They hardly made any impact on the environment at all. And then when we settlers came to, the, to North America, we were cutting down trees and making big roads and hauling big wagons as we went forward with progress. But as a, ever, ever since I was a child and I read about how the the Indians could just walk through the forest and hardly leave a trace that they had been there. And I remember that story of learning how to travel light. And I think that's a good metaphor for the day we're living in. And that is that we need to watch, pray, and travel light. Watch out for the signs. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Look for opportunities to share your faith. Pray for laborers in the body of Christ, but stay unencumbered with this world. Well, Paul closes, or excuse me, Peter closes with two more things here I'd like to go over with you. He says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. How do you grow in grace? That's a great question. I'm glad I asked you that. How do you grow in grace? Well, first, you've got to receive grace, which means you must be born again. You must receive the grace of Jesus Christ. You must commit your life to Jesus, have your sins forgiven, and as you do, you receive the grace of God. You receive everything that you and I don't deserve that God gives to us. That's what grace is all about. And God's plan for us is that we grow. God's plan is for us is that we grow as Christians. J.I. Packer wrote something in his book, Rediscovering Holiness, one of, a, one of the great books that I keep on my library shelf. I keep it right by my desk so I can reach out and grab it quickly. But let me just read you a quote from J.I. Packer's book. And there's two reasons that this hits me. One, I want to see you grow. But number two, I have a disabled grandson. I have a grandson that, is, that we just love so much. He's three years old. He's still in a crib. You know, he has some, some genetic problems, and we're praying every day for Josiah. His name means the Lord heals. But would you listen to what Packer wrote about a Christian's growth? God intends that all Christians should grow. Parents of newborns find great joy in them. But imagine the distress they would feel if the months and the years went by and their baby still remained a baby, smiling and kicking in its crib but never growing. We should not allow ourselves to forget that God must know comparable distress when His born-again children fail to grow in grace. The general idea of growth covers change, development, enlarging, gaining strength, showing energy, advancing, deepening, ripening, ripening, and maturing. You see, every parent wants their baby to grow. Every parent wants to see their child grow. Becky and I marveled at the changes in our children. We track them. I have a place that I've just left uncovered because we've tracked the growth of our children through the years. I want to say to you, God wants to see you grow tonight as well. Grow in the life that is yours because of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for you. You see, friends, that life, there is a mystical element to it. 
I know Jesus tonight. I've never seen him. I've never touched him. He's touched me, but I know him. And that's, and, and you know, those of you that know me, I tell you all the time, I'm not a very mystical person. I'm a very pragmatic person. But when I tell you I know Jesus, that's a mystical thing. When you say you know Jesus tonight, that's a mystical thing this evening. And so I want to say to you, grow in grace, grow in knowledge. And to do that, you've got to, you've got to study what Christ has done for you. That's how you grow in knowledge. You've got to study the character of Christ. You've got to study the ways of Christ. Sometimes people ask me, and I love it when they do. Sometimes I'll run into some people, and, and they mean well, but I don't guess they really stop and think about what they're saying. But they'll say to me, well, Pastor, what is the Lord saying to you today? And they say the same thing He's always said, you know. Read your Bible, the same thing He's always Sometimes they say, well, Pastor, what is the Lord doing fresh in your life today? And again, I know they mean well, but Jesus is still doing the same thing He always did. Jesus is still calling lost people to Himself. Jesus is still feeding the hungry. Jesus is still clothing the naked. He's still healing the sick. He's still teaching us. Jesus is still casting out demons. Jesus is still supplying our needs. The same thing Jesus did, He's doing today. The book of Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then he closes with that great statement, to Christ belongs the glory, all glory to him both now and forevermore. We sing a song here sometime called, You Deserve the Glory, You Deserve the Honor, as we lift our hands to you. And what we're seeing right here is we're seeing Peter who walked with Jesus Peter who knew Jesus, Peter who loved Jesus, give us the description of what a stable life is all about. And I think that's very interesting because Peter who calls us to stability, Peter that Jesus made a rock, Peter was the one that before the resurrection of Christ, he was the one that denied Christ, he was the one that swore he didn't know Jesus, and Jesus forgave him, restored him, and says, Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, Peter. I'm going to make you the kind of man that your ministry is going to stabilize people. It's going to encourage people. So the man who faltered became the man who had his feet firmly planted on the rock, the rock of his confession of faith in Christ Jesus. And you and I can stand just as firm as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we travel light in this world, as we are aware of the signs, and as we desire, as we desire fellowship. So before I pray, can I just ask you, ask you this, this, this question? And I'm sure if you're watching tonight, you're a follower of Jesus. But do you long for his presence? Do you long to spend time in worship? Do you long to just take time to pray and to seek God? You see, I, that's a mystical thing. That's God calling you to himself. Why would you not long? I love my wife, and anytime I'm away from her, I long to be close to her. I love my children. I long to be close to them. I love this church, this church, this church family called Woodland Church, and I long to be close to them. I miss the times when we could just hug one another, but I've enjoyed so much our being able to meet together again. But I love Jesus Christ, 
And I feel that in my soul tonight, and I hope you feel it in yours. As the deer longeth for the waters, so my heart, so my soul longeth, so my soul panteth after you. Will you join me in prayer tonight? Lord, we want to live aware of the signs. We want to travel light in this life and not be, an encumbered, not be encumbered with the cares of this world. But I pray for those listening tonight and for those that may listen later. God, give us a hunger. Give us a passion to know you, to love you, to spend time with you. And I know that maybe some are thinking right now, Lord, and I pray this for their benefit. They're thinking... How can I be with Jesus when I'm working 40 and 50 hours a week or I'm taking care of my children? Lord, you are our constant companion. You are always with us. You've promised to never leave us or forsake us. Let our hearts, Lord, the hearts that we guard tonight, let our hearts be filled afresh and anew with the touch of your Holy Spirit to love you, to worship you, to sing to you, to praise to you, to dance to you, Lord, to exalt you and lift your name upon high. And Father, just as I can't hardly go a day without speaking about Becky or our children or this church, I can't go a day without telling someone that Jesus saves. Would you do that in all of our lives? For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, I love you so much. Thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, be sure you join with Becky and I on our Facebook page uh, Saturday night at 6 o'clock for our prayer service. If you haven't gone to our, my page today, there's an update there. There's one in particular I really want to encourage you to go back and watch, and that's from last week where Becky and I talked about how to talk to your teenager. Today, we talked about honoring those that are elderly among us. So be sure you take time to watch that. I'll see you tomorrow on my Facebook page, and I look forward to praying with you on Saturday. God bless you.